Hello and a massive warm welcome back to Breaking Bread, the Birmingham-based food podcast. I'm your host Liam, obviously there's normally me and Carl but it's still just me. I'm still solo, hope everyone's keeping well, hope you just haven't climbed the wall too much and everyone's kind of keeping safe. Massive thank you to everyone who listened and got in touch about our last episode with Mary's Cupcakes. It was really just fun episode i mean mary's great the page is so much fun her cakes are so much fun so it was like a little kind of ray of joy in all the craziness at the minute so i was very happy that we brought you that and that people enjoyed it so thanks for that and if you haven't listened obviously you can still go back and listen obviously if you just hit subscribe then you won't have to miss any of our other episodes because if you subscribe You'll get a notification from Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from, notifying you to say we have a new episode out. So just go ahead and hit the little subscribe button there for us. Makes a massive difference. We obviously want to spread the news of how great Birmingham food scene is far and wide. So that's just one way you can do that by clicking subscribe and maybe giving us a little four or five star review. Five star, hopefully and maybe leaving us a few kind words that would be brilliant and obviously yeah helps us spread the word of how great Birmingham's food scene is to a lot more people so thanks for that on to today's episode an episode that I'm really really happy to be bringing I was really excited when Kate got in touch well actually it was it was Sam through email at first but we'd been kind of speaking to Kate over Instagram but very grateful for Sam to kind of set it all up logistically and obviously we're still recording remotely so kate runs the birmingham slow food based down at a thousand trades in the jewelry quarter that if, if you don't know much about it go onto their website or their socials have a look if you don't know much about slow food it's fascinating like it's a brilliant concept we go into it a little bit in the podcast so i'm not going to go on about it yeah just go over to their website and have a look obviously all the links for all the websites and all the social is all in the show notes for this so click over and have a look at the show notes obviously you can find extended show notes over at our website which is www.breakingbreadpodcastuk.blog yes yeah, so basically we wanted to do this podcast today it's with kate who i said runs birmingham food hub and it, it's also with sam who runs a great little concept there called um, Eat, Make, Play. You'll hear more about that also in the podcast. So, but yeah, just these two are just amazing people doing really amazing things at grassroots level in the communities of Birmingham. <laughs> and it's something that we're all kind of proud of, really. So I was very happy to have them here on the podcast to tell us all about it. The main reason we're doing this podcast is, and you may have seen it, it was on BBC Midlands Today, and it's, they've had articles in the press and stuff, but basically they have a project going on called The Potato Project. Because of the COVID-19 crisis, obviously, at the very beginning, a lot of the chip shops closed down, or obviously McDonald's closed down. So a lot of the 
local farmers who's specializing like especially chipping potatoes they've got fields full of potatoes that otherwise are just going to be turned over and effectively just go to waste and it obviously it seems like a massive shame to me it probably seems like a massive shame to you who are listening so obviously Sam I think has links to the farmers and he was asked about maybe doing something with these potatoes I don't know if they realize just how much 10 ton of potatoes actually looks like but as, as we hear it, it's a hell of a lot it's helping against food waste it's helping with local food charities in Birmingham it's something that we really really support obviously we've donated to it as well and you can too there's a link that I'll put it at the very top of the show notes you can't miss it there'll be a link to the donate page on slow foods website where you can buy 10 kilo of potatoes and you donate eight of them and you can receive two of those kilos obviously if you don't want the two kilos you can donate all 10 that's fine so yeah if you could go and if you listen to this episode and you're inspired by it you think it's brilliant and you think that that's a great cause or a great idea then please just go onto that site and donate and get 10 kilos of potatoes to good causes in Birmingham. We're also at Digbeth Dines. We didn't really go into it that much because we kind of recorded just before they launched at Digbeth's new click and collect thing. So keep an eye out from there. You can buy fresh produce through the click and collect system at Digbeth Dining Club. So please go and support that. Yeah, so I just really hope you enjoy this episode and thank you again for listening. Nice to meet you. I'm Kate. Yeah, great to meet you both. Shame it's not face to face like we kind of normally do, but it's not really uh, something we can do at the minute. But hope you are both keeping well. Yes, thanks, mate. Yep. Yeah. We're keeping well. We're keeping busy. Keeping busy. Yeah, I, I gathered that. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, hi, I'm Kate Smith. I'm the chair of Slow Food in Birmingham. Um, I've been involved with the slow food movement for about 12 years um, and been fortunate enough to uh, have done that in a couple of different countries. So that's how I come to be involved with slow food in Birmingham. Was there a slow food kind of set up already in Birmingham or did you set that up? Or um, When I arrived in Birmingham about three and a half years ago, there wasn't, but there were a few members um who were classified as virtual members at that stage, so um, they believed in the believed in the ethos of good, clean, and fair, but they didn't have a group. So I met up with them. Uh, one of them was uh, Jane Bradley from Kitchen Food School, and the other was uh, John Stapleton at A Thousand Trades, and um, they got about introducing me to all sorts of amazing people, including Sam, who's uh, the instigator of the Potato Project. Um, and we set up in January 2018. There might be a few who don't really understand what slow food is or what what the term means. Did you want to just give a, a kind of quick rundown of what that is, what that term means and what what it is you do at um, slow food and stuff? So um, the slow food is an international movement. Um, it's actually the largest food movement in the world. And it is all about good, clean and fair food for everyone. 
um, and it's called Slow Food because it initiated about 33 years ago um, when McDonald's were opening at the base of the Spanish Steps in Rome um, and some um, enthusiastic young Italians uh, thought that it was probably an insult on the Italian culture and uh, protested about it. Uh, and so because McDonald's were classified as fast food, they went, well, everything that we are for must be slow food. So, uh, and because it's slow, they've, uh, they've adopted that beautiful uh, snail logo um, and it's now in 160 countries around the world working to connect eaters with growers. Um, and we use the term often co-producers, which means that if you're eating something, you've bought into the food system that's produced it, and it's our choice which food system that is, whether or not it's a, a, a hyper-processed, industrialised food system, or if it's a short food chain, know your grower, eat seasonally, look after the planet food chain. So the one in Birmingham that's based at Fires and Trades, that's, so you have an actual shop there where people can buy produce that comes from farmers. What kind of produce do you have there? Um, it's, a, it's an actual shop only on a Wednesday evening. So you go online okay. and you purchase direct from producers um, and then they make one delivery to a thousand trades on a, on a Wednesday and people wander up and, and collect from there. So it's a it's a click and collect food hub. Um, oh, cool. You can get veg boxes, individual um, items of locally grown veg, um, pasture-raised uh, meat, sustainably caught fish, beautiful artisan cheese, uh, the most wonderful uh, uh, pita bread, uh, made locally as a um, social enterprise and um, at the moment you can buy potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so we will definitely obviously be getting on to potatoes because this is the potato episode but before that I'd just like to say hello to Sam and hello, Sam if you just wanted to tell us a bit about your story and how you managed to get involved with Eat, Make and Play. That's right. So like Kate, I, I wear two hats. Um, I think just the slow food connection, I would say Kate's, uh, um, I met Kate 2014, 15, I think right when you, 2015. And um, pretty soon after that, I learned I'm just going to do what Kate tells me to do because this woman has formidable energy. <laughs> so my connection to slow food initially was Kate just asked me and I, and I, got involved, but everything that Kate said about slow food, I, I was aware of slow food, the ethos, and Kate has done an incredible job to bring that ethos to Birmingham and to connect with others. It was already there, but she was the one who brought it together. The, the Eat, Make, Play, um, about three years ago, I was working on a, as a community connector with the council. It was a um, community development regeneration initiative that I was working on and we held an event on a green space by Edgebaston Reservoir. Most people call it the playing field. It's owned by Birmingham Settlement. We had an event on that field to big up the space, to bring people together. And we thought, what are we gonna call this event? And we were sitting around brainstorming and said, we're, well, we're gonna have a picnic and we're going to 
make things and we're going to play music and play games. So Eat, Make, Play became the name and it stuck. And that was 2018. About 500 people came to that. Then we did it again in 2019 and repeat performance. And, and the question in the air and in the community was, we've had two annual events. So how do we move from this extraordinary event to everyday participation where people are sharing their skills, their passions, their capacities, like we did on the annual event, but doing that in everyday life. So that led to the birth of Eat, Make, Play as a community organization. Awesome. It's, it sounds cool. Do you, is it just purely volunteer-led, is it? Or? It's, we're, we're actually set up, it's a cooperative structure. So Kate and Ali, uh, Kate Smith, Ali Crawley, and I are the three co-directors. And um, part of the structure is that, that we're developing, it's a membership structure, just like in a co-op. But this structure, it's a, actually a, a community benefit society is the legal structure, which means it exists not just for the benefit of its members, but it exists for the benefit of the community. So that community is broadly B16. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a geographic community where we're based. Um, you could say, you know, they're volunteers in the sense that they're, they're unpaid people that do a lot of work. But we, we tend to use the word language of members or friends because that's, that's the kind of ethos that's been created. So um, whether it's with potatoes that we'll come to or with growing or with sewing craft kits, whatever it is, there's the primary function of Eat, Make, Play is, is to, to activate all that capacity and energy that's already there. And, and that's, what's, that's what we're beginning to see happening, even, even during COVID, actually. How has COVID affected both both organizations? Well, the Eat, Make, Play, um, we are in partnership with the Active Wellbeing Society to open Birmingham's first sharing library of things um, called Share Shack. And uh, we opened on the 14th of March and we closed our doors to the public on the 14th of March. <laughs> so that's been relatively affected. Uh, it's just sort of put on hold. Um, our, our plans of launching a sharing workshop space. Um, but what it has enabled us to do is, uh, is use the space uh, as potato central. And uh, we've had, it's a, it's a fairly big shop, so we've been great having half a dozen volunteers every day um, sorting potatoes. Uh, we're peeling the, the bees um, and sending those to um places like um the solidarity kitchen down at the warehouse um cafe and the community kitchens around the city so yeah i think uh, and and we've also been um uh planting a uh, a community growing space so we're not doing what we thought we'd be doing right now but we're still working with the community was there any point where you kind of, because it's it's affected a lot of people mentally, this whole pandemic, and was there any point where you've just kind of been tempted to just say, oh, we can't, I need to focus on myself, I can't do this, I can't worry about anyone else, or I think it's kind of natural. Has that mindset affected any 
when involved or I think, I think it, what it's actually done is that it's given people something to do during lockdown um, mm. and I think Sam will tell you the, the story about the potatoes project in a, in a second probably but um, because we've got people who are saying I'm on furlough and I'm literally doing nothing and that they're just absolutely thrilled to be able to come and be involved with community projects and things like that to the point where a couple of our volunteers are actually saying to their employers, hey, I'm doing volunteer work. I'm don't, I can't do the stuff that you're asking me to do, which is yeah. it's phenomenal. Um, yeah, so... I don't. I don't think I. I don't shut down is probably the answer. That 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 is the uh, the truth. I tend to just keep going. Um, and I think Sam and Alison um, and I are probably pretty much that same mindset. We we just we're energized by um, seeing what other people's possibilities are. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the potato project? I'd love to. So in. I think it was March 16th that the special measures came in. And that's what Kate was saying. We we were literally going to open our doors, the, you know, the first day of being open as a shop. Couldn't do that. We have this partnership with the Active Wellbeing Society. We have a space, but we can't open to the public. And um, what happened, it, it all really happened in that first week where the Active Wellbeing Society, um, because of their reach and their they just the size and the capacity they have, they became the lead organization for emergency food response that were coordinating lots of community groups and um, including Eat, Make, Play. So we were, we had this, already had this relationship. So we realigned our, you know, our work and our capacity to, to throw our energy into emergency food. That week, uh, a farmer friend uh, out in Coles Hill named, got in touch and he knew that We've been in touch. He knew that we were working on emergency food. And he called and said, Sam, um, we've got these potatoes in the field. And, the, you know, the, the middle supplier, because chippies aren't open, McDonald's aren't open, these would be, I should call them chipping potatoes, you know, that contract just got canceled. So all that risk, you know, fell back to the farmer. And he said, you know, we'd be gutted to have to plow them back in the field. If we harvest them, can you move them? I called Kate and I knew what she was going to say, but the short answer is yes, we'll figure out how later. But, but it really was this sense of, okay, this is, this is relational food. This gets back to the slow food ethos about knowing your farmer, knowing where it cares. And there's nothing wrong with those potatoes. It was simply in this moment, the supply chain disadvantaged the farmer and, and also the people who needed it. So we created the chain. We became that middle to connect, um, those potatoes and, and the city. So it was really, you know, we found a, a way to do it. Um, there were a few runs to the, to the farm. Um, like, how, how many tons was it exactly? Yeah. We're, we're, we're sitting on about the 11 ton mark at the moment. Jeez. Did you know how much it was going to be like when you said, yeah, or did you even ask or did you oh, say, let's go for it? The first uh, farmer said, look, it's going to be between eight and 10 tons. And we're like, okay, what quant? Like, 
I can't visualise that many potatoes. <laughs> I don't uh, think anyone can. <laughs> I, can I, I know what a 20 kilo, 25 kilo sack looks like, but um, right. I also had to work out whether or not it was metric tonnes or imperial tonnes um, and what all that was. Um, so it is a 1,000 kilograms of potatoes right. make a tonne. Yeah. Um, so it's it's 40 sacks of potatoes. Um, uh, it's it's all a forklift can carry is one ton. So yeah, it, it's it's a lot of potatoes. Um, but I've been involved in a similar project in Australia where we had a pumpkin farmer who had um, the price of their pumpkins wasn't worth picking them, and uh, and a slow food group. Uh, sent people over to pick them and they sold them in the main street of a country town and it brought back a farmer's market for the first time in 45 years into the city. So um, I knew that things like this are great for the city. What we hadn't thought about was how we get those potatoes to people who want to eat them. Um, And then we realised that uh, one of our Slow Food members is a director with the Real Junk Food Project Birmingham and yeah. they had partnered with the Active Wellbeing Society um, and they, they're spearheading the emergency food distribution um, for the city. Um, and so we thought, okay, well, let's just get those potatoes into that emergency food because there's people who are really struggling um, because of lockdown. There's people on zero hours contracts who don't get furloughed and don't get paid um, and it puts them into all sorts of um, uh, emotional and financial strife. Um, Sorry, Kate, can, can you tell us a little bit more about, just because we mentioned it a few times, the yeah. Birmingham Emergency Food Response. Mm. Could you tell us a bit more detail about that? So, as I said, um, the Active Wellbeing Society and the Real Junk Food Project are um, are helping coordinate it. But there's probably 100-plus community groups throughout the city that are, um, so they're food banks, um, they're community groups. There's an amazing group of uh, uni students who've got together and set up an emergency food bank Um uh, and there's people putting together boxes and looking after other people across the city. Um, and then you've got different kitchens. Uh, I mentioned the um, the guys at the Warehouse Cafe. They're, yeah. they're cooking about 300 meals a day for people who are struggling with COVID. Um, it's not the emergency. Uh, it's not the response to look after the NHS. Um, this is people who are, um, we're getting reports saying people haven't eaten for four days. Um, so if it's people who are in that situation and there are thousands of people across our city who need help. You were just saying, sorry, before I interrupted you then, obviously that you'd had, then obviously that the Birmingham Emergency Food Response were looking for food. So you decided to distribute the potatoes through there. Yeah, so um, we thought let's get those into um, into the emergency food response. But then there's a there's a fair at the uh, at the end of good, clean, and fair, and that means that people should pay a reasonable 
a fair price for the food for their food but also that the producer or the farmer should get paid a fair price um, so we had to work out how to pay the farmer and that's when we sort of went okay well there's lots and lots of people across the city who really want to help um, how do we do that and so we came up with the um, buy 10 kilos of potatoes for 10 pounds and donate eight of those kilos into the emergency food distribution and once the emergency is not as intense we'll start distributing those two kilo of reward potatoes so uh, that's why we are currently sitting in eat make play with uh tote bags slow food birmingham tote bags full of two kilos of potatoes um, there are mountains of them. We've right. had 900 people respond to the um, the call out for help, which is amazing. We've, we've even had people from Italy and New York donate to us. Obviously, they're not getting their two kilos of potatoes. And, and lots of people have said, hey, I don't want those. Just put all 10 kilos into the emergency response. So you have an up. A page don't you where people can buy this 10 kilo of potato obviously i'll put the link in the show notes and if they don't want that two kilos or they want to donate it they can do that as well can't they yeah they can so if they go on to the slow food birmingham website um there's a a, a tab called potato project um and that's got a link to to pay through paypal um and um that means that you can pay with bank account, with a credit card, with a debit card, whatever you want. Um, and then we'll send you out an email saying, hey, we'll get to you in a, in, in a week or so, um, but tell us now if you want to respond by donating all those potatoes. So, yeah, it's – and it's – as I said, we, we're just overwhelmed. Um, I was sort of thinking, okay, well, we might get – a couple of hundred people who would who would join in but it it's yeah it's amazing (laughs) yeah but Birmingham is a phenomenal city and I've said that ever since I arrived and started to get to know people but this is like yeah we really are phenomenal Liam if I might just jump in here and say this uh on Kate's behalf but also just what I've observed with this project. Um, yeah, I had the link with the farm, but I mean, I would definitely, I, I just made the assist to Kate because it really was, um, the first bit of the work was, was it was a lot of logistics because, you know, we've never done this direct <clears throat> direct supply chain. And that was, yeah. eat, make, play. We already had a network of friends, but Kate's position with, um, with Slow Food, it gave us a lot more reach and it really has been uh, amazing to see all the, the appetite to, to connect and do things. So I think one one kind of lesson learned in this is, you know, there's there's the emergency provision and there's there's services and there are things that just need to happen because people are in a really tight spot. But there are a large number of people who either are furloughed or out of work or just let's call them time rich, <laughs> and they <laughs> they want to connect. And, and so one of the things that we've noticed with the potato project is it is about food, but 
I keep saying food is never just about food. It's about what happens around the food. So all the connections, so those social links, which have a knock-on uh, effect for belonging, for mental health, for feeling like we're making a difference. So that's just one kind of lesson, I think, that's been in the middle of all that. The other thing is that Kate's vision, it, it is about emergency food and getting pot- people to potatoes, potatoes to people who need food. But it's also about mending a very broken system because as the moment we're in, uh, you know, we don't know how long emergency is going to last. And it could be that it's phased and we things are relaxed and a year from now, you know, things are restricted. We, we No one knows. But what we do know is that in this in this moment, it's just shown how fragile the food system is, that those potatoes were 20 minutes away and yet they, they had no way of getting uh, to supermarkets. So we're trying to actually do two things at once. It's the emergency response, but also in recovery to create a different kind of relationship between people and food. And it's that direct market. So uh, one of the most encouraging things I've heard is the farmer said, he's already saying, let's be thinking about next spring, what we grow, whether it's potatoes, but other things I want to sell directly to you. You know, he's saying, I want, I want what we're doing now to be the future of how I grow food. So that's a part of the yeah. solution moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, that, um, that model is called uh, community supported agriculture and uh, the climate change network of um, people who are working across the city to make Birmingham climate ready or to lobby our, our, um, leaders, our politicians, to make Birmingham climate ready are also talking to us about how do we, how do we fix this food system um, and talking about community-supported agriculture. And I suppose it is um, one, of the, one of the volunteers um, uh, said the other day, you know, here's the thing, good things happen in bad situations. Um, and I think that that's what we, we have to focus on. Um, uh, there's so many horrific things that have happened over the last couple of months to, mm. to people and to families um, and will continue to happen, um, especially with our um, restaurant sector. They're, they're going to be needing as much support as we can give them over the next 6 to 12 months. Um, but... What, if if these potatoes have enabled people to think about their food chain and are going is going to set up a way, I mean Birmingham is ringed by the most beautiful fertile farming land, and it just doesn't come into the city. Um, if we can if we can change that, that would be brilliant. Yeah, I don't think enough people are aware of the kind of miles that's involved with what everything like most of our produce probably comes from. A lot further away than Shropshire or um, like Litchfield or somewhere like that. It's it's all from miles away, and I think if we can fix that, then then we should. I I think that I I think that what happens along the same time is yes, you're doing good for the food for the planet by making our um, supply change shorter, but you're also doing good for yourself because you. Um, you start to understand the process of what it means to get that food on your table 
and then it helps you to make better food choices. So if you get to know a farmer um, and you hear about the fact that the crop X has, um, has been really, really difficult for uh, weather reason, reasons or whatever it is, then you start to understand, okay, so asparagus, purple sprouting broccoli, is going to be a little more expensive this season. But if I can support that farmer, then I just figure out what else I'm not going to spend some money on so I can eat that great local food. Um, the benefactor of that is also if you know your farmer and it's a glut, then you're more likely to be able to help out take that produce away and eat it rather than it going to waste. Um, yeah, it's, it's a win-win situation all round when you start to know who grows your food. I agree. Where would someone go to find out a bit more information about all of this, just if you wanted to do their own kind of research and stuff? Does Slow Food have any, like, educational pages or...? Um, Slow Food International, so just slowfood.com, has got a lot of information about um, education and Slow Food in the UK has uh, some great blog posts. Um, Slow Food Birmingham has not got uh, a lot of information on its website. We're a group of volunteers um, and we're people who um, have chosen to work on promoting and educating good food in our spare time. So, um, yeah, it's it's probably not as um, not as much information on our local website as you'd find on the UK website or on the international website. Yeah, but everyone can just go to the main uh, UK website or the international and Absolutely. find the links there. Uh, are you always looking for more volunteers or can, how can people help on a practical level? Yeah, so our volunteers are all members of Slow Food um, and uh, depending on the different projects, we have um, nine people who are currently helping with our um, our food hubs. So the first one we launched in um, at 1,000 Trades in the Jewellery Quarter. We've just started working with Digbeth Dining Club um, and this weekend is our first delivery of veg boxes through their new click and collect um, at Hockley, which is fantastic. Um, we're really looking forward to to being involved with that because uh, Digbeth Dining Club uh, talk, us, talk the same language as us. They, they're all about local, their... Um, they really, really love the food that they work with. Um, their traders are phenomenal um, and they've been wanting to partner with somebody um, who is on the same page. And so when when they were setting up their new Hockley um, Click and Collect, they contacted us and said, what can we do? We want to work with Slow Food. Uh, and, yeah, so you can go on to Dig With Dining Club you can go and click and collect with them. We're also working on another project called Bags of Taste, and that is a um, a cooking program. Obviously, we have to wait until people can gather to cook together again, um, but it teaches people how to cook a meal for a pound, and 
it's an eight-week course um, and it's it's just I, I, I can't describe how amazing it is. I, I, I sort of get all emotional when I hear, when I start thinking about the um, the, the stuff that, that these guys have done around the UK um, and we've been working for eight months to be able to uh, to bring it into the city and um, through the potato project we've had a couple of people say, hey, we can help you with some funding, um, which is, again, Good things come out of a bad situation. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Uh, will it be like uh, an online thing, or is it like a um, an actual physical no, thing you go in? And... It it's um it works with people who have uh, dis- disengaged from our food system. Um, so it's a referral base, and um, it's teaching people how. The founder of the program says that it's actually more about a financial management program than it is about a cooking program. Um, okay. So you're, there's Bags of Taste employs somebody to find the right people to offer the classes to. Um, and, and then once they've done the first session, the eight weeks, they can then come back as volunteers and so it's that that system where you you buy in to helping other people learn how to cook great food. That sounds brilliant. I'll throw this in. This is a, this is a, a a concept that we've been working with for a while. It's and I think Kate, you were the you mentioned it. Your first person I heard use it is the idea of food dignity. So what we mean by that is. Um, it's really related to what I said a minute ago around food is never just about food in the sense of you know calories or nutrition. It's that, but it's also identity, it's culture, it's where you're from, and um, it's social, it's spiritual. You know, food is at the heart of you know if if you pull on the thread of fruit of food, you're going to connect to to so many other things and. With food dignity, we're just trying to make all of that visible and show that food is—it's not just a commodity um, or you know a certain amount of calories. One of the things that we're noticing—I mean, this was this was the case before COVID, and I think you know the emergency situation has really exposed it—is the need for food charity. We are unfortunately we are in a situation where people need. Uh, to access food banks. They need parcels given to them. But what we also hear from people that run the food banks and that have been connected to them is, you know, we, we don't want to create, a, we don't want to get stuck in a situation where people are dependent on food banks, where that's the only way they access food. Uh, because there's, there's not any dignity in that and just constantly be giving a food parcel that you didn't choose the food, it might not connect with you know, the food that you want, how you express yourself, how you care for your family and preparing it. So food dignity is just a way of saying, even in emergency, we want to show the goodness of these potatoes, the goodness that comes from the social connection that happens, uh, the goodness that comes from the way that all the different ways that people prepare them in different ways. And, And moving forward, food dignity is about making good food more accessible. And what people do around that food. So, food dignity is is where we're headed. Yeah. 
Um, and on the point of how people prepare them, um, we've been cooking potato-based meals for um, all of our volunteers for lunch every day. And uh, it's amazing how versatile that uh, humble spud is. Um, and so in the next couple of weeks, as soon as we uh, break the back on the uh, mountain of potatoes that we're working with, we're going to put together some of those recipes, but we're also going to get some um, from people like Brad Carter. Um, he's a member of the Slow Food Chef Alliance um, and uh, Hampton Manor's been doing amazing stuff uh, with their Peels on Wheels. They're also Slow Food supporters. Um, and so we'll collect some recipes to hopefully inspire people with what to do with the humble potato. Yeah, that's an excellent idea. Yeah. So then if you've got a great recipe for potatoes, send it over to over to us and we'll uh, we'll put it on our website. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what we, we've got. To be honest, Carl's the, um, the chef amongst us. He does all the cooking that you see on Instagram and stuff. I'm normally the person who just eats out quite a lot, but obviously not lately. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll see if he can get a recipe over but i'm sure we'll find something yeah so liam as a person who's been eating out are you doing a lot of um collection from local independent uh restaurants who are who are doing uh online orders and uh dropping and take out yeah we're trying to i mean little blackwood who we mentioned like every episode and we love is started to do some delivery options now so we're gonna definitely get some of that and then there's uh oxen origin we've had a few bits off them and andy low and slow um couldn't, couldn't recommend andy low and slow enough yeah you're talking our language already so little <laughs> are uh one of the locations that people will be able to go and collect their potatoes from um, what we're doing rather than sending out 900 individual deliveries of potatoes people are going to a location close to them uh, to collect their two two kilo bags um, yeah. what we are working on is working with people like little blackwood who are doing click and collect um, yeah. thousand trades the same thing and we're saying to people hey You've helped amazingly, but you can continue to help our food system, especially our hospitality system, by when you go and pick up those potatoes, grab a drink, uh, buy a meal, um, because our hospitality guys are just, they're going to feel this for a really long time. Um, they work on such small margins and they're, they're a huge employer um, across the city um, and we need to keep them in business as much as we can. And most of them, they're like restaurants. If they have to stick to the two meter social distancing rule, the restaurants are going to fit like four or five people in, you know. Yeah. Like Vanguard above Thousand Trades is any small. Little Blackwood's tiny. Yeah, I think Thousand Trades is talking about uh, turning their community room into um, table space. Uh, other restaurants are talking about whether or not they can um, access their footpaths and things like that, so they put tables outside when the weather's nice. Um, yeah. Then you come down to the problem of that: um, who owns those footpaths. So, yeah, I know that um, Sam Morgan from Craft has been doing 
some phenomenal work just advising and helping um, restaurants across the city yeah. because he comes from a legal back background. Uh, it's his partner who is the, uh, the, the food person. Um, and, yeah, it's... Again, it shows that amazing spirit of Birmingham that you've got this this huge WhatsApp group of Birmingham hospitality and it's just how are we going to support each other um, is, is constantly out there. So, yeah, it's probably why I love Birmingham so much is they've got big hearts. Yeah, me too. <laughs> is that everything or...? Um, yeah, yeah I, think so. I think so. Um I think that's quite a good place to finish with our, our proclamation of love for Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we have to justify yeah. our accent somehow. <laughs> that's it. We an Australian and, and a US national we have Birmingham is 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 it's definitely the melting pot, you know. The other thing that we didn't uh, probably didn't say is that you don't have to be a member of slow food to enjoy taking part in our activities um it's just if you want to volunteer as a helper you need to be a member so um people can actually sign up to our newsletter awesome well this has been brilliant and i was really glad you contacted me and asked if we could talk about this because it's something i'm really interested in anyway mm. and i think you're doing some amazing things and I just love the whole kind of slow food ethos and, and everything that the slow food hub in the jewelry quarter is all about, really. And I'm kind of sorry I didn't get to go there like before all this happened. And well, we're still we didn't we're get still to, functioning. Yeah, so we're, our yeah. orders have gone up three hundred and fifty percent. So oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, um, that's brilliant. I mean, uh, we're 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 now at the point where we're trying to work out what happens when the new normal kicks in and. Um, thousand trades is allowed to start trading properly again uh yeah <laughs> that'd be a good problem to have one yeah because we are planting vegetables in the um the beautiful planters outside st vincent street west uh that the council's sort of forgotten about and so we're turning them into a vegetable garden for the community uh and he's we've got a row of volunteers right. sitting outside the shop I'm glad the weather's good for you. And it's not. Hopefully, it's not too hot though. <laughs> well, no, no complaints here, Liam. We'll, we'll we'll take all the sun we can get. Yeah, I bet. I bet. All right. Thanks very much for this. Okay. okay. See you, you soon. Bye.